This is Bob Calhoun. We just found out that William Klein, the director of Mr. Freedom, one of the movies we talk about in this episode, died on September 10th, the day we taped it. Please consider this show our tribute to him and definitely check out Mr. Freedom on Criterion Channel. And while I'm here, I have to mention the news that revolutionary filmmaker Jean-Luc Godard passed away earlier today. I recommend his sci-fi noir, Alphaville, streaming on Canopy, while Greg is partial to Weekend, which is streaming on HBO Max. Look for both of them. Our hearts go out to the Klein and Godard families, and we'd like to thank both of these men for making great movies that we can get high to. Meanwhile, in the boardroom of a major media conglomerate. Look at this balance sheet. It's untaxed corporate profits. It's skyrocketing CEO pay. No, it's the superhero. Strange content from the 20th century, able to leap over box office records in a single bound and reveal racists on Twitter with colorblind casting. Yes, the superhero. They monopolize the multiplex and dominate streaming. So in this episode, we're going back to the 60s when everyone got way into superheroes for a year or two and then got the fuck over it. First, we have the superhero as a savage satire of American imperialism in Mr. Freedom from 1968. And then we go way low budget with Rat Fink a Boo Boo, a Batman and Robin spoof so broke they couldn't even afford the word and in the title. That's all right here on Old Movies for Young Stoners. And we have returned on Old Movies for Young Stoners. We've got our full crew here today, so let me get the introductions out of the way so we can start pairing weed with cinematic trash. First, she is an actor and voiceover artist. You could see her in Chippendale Rescue Rangers, now streaming on Disney+. Plus. She is Felina Franklin. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, etc. And then, through the magic of nepotism, we have her dad, Greg Franklin founder of Six Point Harness Studios and animation director of Tignataro Drawn. Catch it on HBO Max before it disappears forever. Hey, everybody. Next, he is our re- audio producer, resident bud tender, and your guide on the Hollywood Punk Rock Graveyard Tour. Look it up on Instagram. Let's hear it for Corey Sklar. Hey, Bob, I am trying to get through this uh, heat wave, and we are still booking tours throughout the heat wave. Just bring a lot of water. And I'm Bob Calhoun, your host and author of The Murders That Made Us, A True Crime History of San Francisco, now available wherever you buy books. Now, uh, I want to start off the show, before we get into our two wonderful films, I want to start off the show with an old man weed question. 
And I'm seeing on Twitter, like I, you know, I follow youngins on Twitter and, and the youth, they follow me, um, that there are people like major, major stoners who've only dabbed or vaped. They've never smoked. They claim in these tweets that I've seen, and this is, could just be anecdotal bullshit, but they claim that they've never smoked out of a pipe, never smoked a joint, never, never done bong rips that they've only vaped or dabbed. Is, is that a thing? Is that, or am I just competing? That's gotta be a thing. However, those are, I, I personally, that's fake to me. Okay. <laughs> the, 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 are, we, are we sure Bob's not being trolled? right now like is that is it a real thing i i don't it's not like they're tweeting it at me i just see them <laughs> waxing about it you know it's like um, how is this possible i think it's fine you know why smoking weed so like uh it's like such a hassle and so it's like the ash gets everywhere your fingers get black there's there's shake all over your house like it's fine it's like i understand it's such a mess messy habit it just goes to show that the divide in our country, you know, between the the haves and the have nots, the those those who those who can afford these fancy devices, you know, these 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 bongs that you plug into the wall that smoke the weed for you. What is even the point? You know, uh, you got to get your hands dirty. You, you if you're if you're if your fingers don't stink then have you really gotten stoned but do you do you because <laughs> i get high like it's all the same high you know what i mean it's yeah just it's, high. it's just high <laughs> no and i and i and i get i get super high on the on the on the vape sticks these days too because you know smoke smoking isn't good for you right yeah but you know what in my heart of hearts i know that vaping does something that we don't know about yet it is such a new thing and you know, I I feel like it's doing something to me. <laughs> sure. Like my lungs it's are putting, like crazy. it's impregnating you. It's impregnating you with alien embryos that'll turn into chest first. <laughs> oh, thanks. That's a great. Uh, it's a great vision. Thanks, Bob. That yeah, yes. Yeah, so, uh, I yeah. mean, people thought cigarettes I, were fine forever, right? Yeah, they did. Well, I mean, and most people, you know, died of a heart attack before they were ever getting close to cancer. I mean, they died at 50. I would be dead already back in the 50s. I'd just be gone, you know. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so that that helped. <laughs> we all agree. <laughs> that helped. <true>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, also with also with like um, you know, uh young, you know, people under 40 there's a tendency like they don't like to write on paper a lot like if i whenever i was covering a convention or something and i would burst out like my my notepad and be an old school reporter people would take a step back like what wizard re is this you know why, is he, <laughs> why isn't he using his ipad or his phone what, what is he doing <laughs> what kind of weirdo does that i know, know? i haven't I, I, I write on paper so rarely like when i write like a birthday card now or something it feels like oh i forget how to and it looks like a kindergartner's <laughs> writing you know what i mean it's messed up and like i mean phones have been gone for so long i'm sure there's i'm sure most young people have never used a landline before right oh yeah yeah i mean that why would they you know yeah. all, all the landline is is a conduit for people trying to scam old people like microsoft <laughs> has detected a virus on your computer give us your social security number to clear it up i get robocalls all day by the way do you guys get robocalls all day or is it just mm -hmm. me 
Okay, good. All right. Do you get oh, yeah. robo calls on a land? Do you still have a landline? No, I don't. It's on my cell phone, but oh, I wow. do. I do have a couple phones in the house just as decorative mm-hmm. pieces because I like the way phones look. They're not plugged into anything, but I have an Alf phone, which is for sale. If anyone wants to buy my Alf phone, an oh. Alf landline phone, oh. it still works too. I'll buy that. I'll buy that. <laughs> All right, uh, you can. It's 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 nice. It's clean. Felina, I don't know it's if, yours, if buddy. you remember. Um, but Felina actually had a landline, and it's this. This mm-hmm. is the landline that Felina had. This is. Oh, take a picture, Bob. <laughs> this is, uh, you know, it says computer, computer phone only. That's yeah, cool, right on there. Yeah. It's the old school label maker, mm-hmm. and uh, and, awesome. and you know, when we moved into this place, and Felina was like eight or nine, she had a phone jack in a room, and so we stuck it in there. And and you could pick pick it up and hear the dial tone, and uh, I think it lasted as long as uh, somebody called like really early in the morning, and this is like the loudest the loudest (laughs) ringer in the world. It will make you literally go deaf. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, then we we moved it out. But uh, but yeah, a little piece of Felina Franklin history. That's so cool. Having a landline when you're a kid, you feel so powerful. Oh, oh yeah. my God. It was the best feeling ever. And I was also the only one who knew out of all of my friends who knew how to do the rotary, like, rotary thing. <laughs> yeah. And right. um, I felt, yeah, I felt so powerful. I was like, you guys, my room is so cool. Um... <laughs> now, now uh, Corey's had had a change of heart about uh, one of our movies from the last show. He's had a, uh, you said you had a change of heart about Listomania. I have. I watched it again, and uh, I still agree with what I said on the episode. Is that the there's no the story is very hard to follow, and the songs are few and far between. But I really appreciate that movie now at a at a new level, and I could watch it a million times. I think right last episode I said I don't think I'm ever going to watch this again, but I love it now. It's it's it pulled crazy. you. It it's pulled so you back crazy. in. It pulled me back in. The more I thought about it, I'm like, I gotta go. I gotta see Rick Wakeman as the Uberman Frankenstein <laughs> again, and and I did. And it, I'm glad. You know, I did. you know the the Who. You know, the last two surviving members of the Who and some other guys are coming to the Oakland Coliseum, and because of watching Listomania and studying Listomania, I'm like, I kind of want to go see Roger Daltrey. You know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> like, I um, <laughs> I I just watched Monterey Pop on criterion and they are so good in it it's just it was i'm all about the who this week yeah yeah. i I love live at leeds is my favorite um they 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 rock in a way that uh they don't normally to me like that one really is heavy yeah i mean you read about them and it's like how heavy they are and everything and then you listen to you know beady meaty big and bouncy and it just sounds like kind of slightly harder beatles they're, yeah. not, like, they're what, not a good records band they're yeah. a good lot li- you watch you watch their live movies it's, then you get it you know what i mean yeah so so yeah i i will probably spend way too much money to see them it's only two bart stops away so I, it's it's it. very easy to go to but uh uh <laughs> speaking of the who and ken russell is i'm i'm uh i watched tommy again too and it is a good movie another ken russell yeah, yeah yeah so tommy's great listomania is great but they're just really difficult. <laughs> I, I think, Corey, you got to see The Boyfriend. Okay. I think is also on Criteria, and that's 
that's another Ken Russell musical, and it is fucking batshit. All right, I'll watch that tonight. Did you ever see that one? I haven't seen it. Oh my god, it'll it'll knock your head off. It's so crazy. So so kids, give Listomania another chance. It's still on HBO Max, baffling people. Uh, once David Zaslav figures out it's there, he'll realize it'll offend the Midwest, and he will he will burn every print of it. So watch it while you can. Um, yeah, yeah, Listomania. I suggest breaking it into two parts. Watch hour one, then watch hour two later. Because, like, you're kind of exhausted by everything it's thrown at you by the time it really starts throwing vampire, you know, vampire Wagner at you and the crazy Wonder Woman (laughs) girls that are, like, Nazi fascists and and all that stuff that you need. You kind of need to be sharper to take that stuff in. It's rewarding upon it's it's rewarding upon repeated viewings, I'll say. Uh, because you know it's already you've already had all this shit thrown at you so then you could just sit back and appreciate we at old movies for young stoners really want to hear from you you can email us at old movies for young stoners at gmail.com that's old movies for young stoners at gmail all one word no numbers in there and please follow us on instagram and facebook at old movies for young stoners or twitter at om4y stoners that's om Four number four Y stoners. We have eighty three Instagram followers now. Woo! Wow! Woo! Amazing! Oh, Mr. Freedom! Hi, Mr. Freedom! Oh. It's Mr. Freedom! It's Mr. Freedom! Freedom! This ain't no fairy tale. Empty hands, empty pockets, that's not my style. What do you need? You don't know? Well, I'm going to tell you what you need. Thank you! To begin with, I'm going to tell you what the land of freedom's all about. No, you're not dreaming, because that land exists. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been living like pigs. Open your eyes. Open your hearts. They distort everything, they demonstrate, they make uh, disgusting, unpatriotic remarks. (laughs) As a photographer in the 1950s, William Klein captured the violence and class division of his native New York in a series of photographs that was bankrolled and then shelved by Vogue, but won acclaim when it was later published as a book. As a movie director living and working in Paris in the 1960s, he continued to criticize American ironies and injustice through the image of the superhero in our first film. As Mr. Freedom, fellow expat John Abbey is a racist himbo in red, white, and blue football pads who takes time off from beating on black people in the inner cities to keep the mixed-up, sniveling crybabies of France from falling to a communist invasion led by an inflatable Chinese dragon and a Russian agent clad in a comical amount of foam rubber. It's as psychedelic as anything from the year 1968 can be, which is really saying a lot. With Donald Pleasance as our hero's boss, Delphine Seerig as Mr. Freedom's girlfriend, and controversial French pop and jazz singer Serge Gajbor. From France in 1968, this is Mr. Freedom. Now, now this is a movie much like the people who have only dabbed or vaped. This is a thing I've been seeing a lot on Twitter for 
months now, people finding this movie on Criterion Channel, then posting pictures from it or clips from it. And it has always looked like crazy as fuck. And every time I see it, I'm like, we have to talk about this movie on the show. So I went into this movie totally cold. I didn't really know a lot about it when I when I programmed it and then when I showed it and when I watched it a couple of times. So it's always, you know, it, it's, you know, it is the tent pole of our superhero episode here. So, uh, Corey, what, what did you think about it? This movie is so on the nose is what I'll say first about it. And it's so on the nose in its scathing of American culture, right? It's like Americans are racist. They're dumb. They're stupid. They're all about consumerism. Um, and uh, it's that's a good thing about it. <laughs> it's like it just <laughs> pummels you with how shitty America is. Right. And uh, John Abbey. Yeah. John Abbey, this guy who's playing Mr. Freedom, is chewing up the screen like nobody's business. He's so funny in it. Um, there's this part where uh, I, it's it's just like it, it pummels you with how edgy and like ah, how we're going to shit on American culture at first. But once you get into that groove of that, it like really works. Um, there's this montage of America, right? It's just like, oh, God, I've seen this a million times. It's just like commercials in war smashed up together, but it like really works. And stuff is like still trying to be like this movie, like the boys, right? That's something that this movie kind of is better at doing than the boys is uh it looks beautiful the sets are incredible this every set piece is uh poster worthy delphine selwig is incredible in this movie she's the heart and soul of the movie uh playing up against this big dumb moron piece of shit american and um it's very good uh <laughs> it, it it's so accurate about how shitty america is in so many ways there's this one monologue that mr freedom gives about how um how he came up in life and and he had to walk uphill two ways to school and he worked every job and his palm beach was hell's kitchen and it really nails down that uh bitterness and victim mentality of the greatest generation of the time and and really the problem with america is that they just want to like overcome their uh, poverty instead of like hey how do we fix poverty right and that's everyone's just trying to get the piece of the pie this movie is just all about that and um i, I think it's incredible uh the clothes are amazing there's this one scene where uh mr freedom wakes up and he's in this white mr freedom robe like satin robe and it says mr freedom on the back actually that whole scene's amazing it's like a james bond-esque kind of scene where he's like he double crosses the people trying to double cross him um the jokes land in this movie every line is kind of funny in this movie uh, john allen's very good at delivering his his mr freedom lines he's such a dumbass moron american um it's very good uh i was totally surprised by this movie bob i never seen it before i didn't hear about it and then to have all this amazing beautiful greatness in this movie plus donald pleasance and plus serge gainsburg one of the greatest musicians of all time uh i'm really happy i saw this it really blew me away i think it should be up there on like the greatest spoof comedies of all times list and i would like program this in a triple feature with like austin powers and naked gun you know what i mean it has all those <laughs> tropes his or uh his man flint is that what it's called in yes. like Flint, those movies, those Flint movies, stuff like that, like it, they, it just works as a spoof, but it's so beyond and it's so smart and it's so ahead of its time. I wasn't bored once in this movie. I, I fucking love this movie. 
Yeah, it was uh, it's so accurate, like to this day that it's kind of I feel like it's so good that it's kind of hard to watch. Um, <laughs> It's really fun. Um, And the costume. Oh, my God. The fucking costumes are amazing. And the hair, that girl, that orange hair. I, that's the hair that I want to have every single day of my life. Um, <laughs> It is so good. Um, Yeah, it's. It was I, funny it how her me... son had the same hair. Oh my god, it was perfect. <laughs> I love, yeah. Oh my god, and I was cheering him on every time he was calling him a fascist. I was like, oh yes, it's perfect. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is just—it's a really fun movie. I had no, I, I had no idea about it at all before I went into it, and I think that's the best way. Like, if you're seeing it on Twitter, like, don't look any Mm -hmm. further. Just watch it. It did take me two days to watch it because I got kind of overwhelmed (laughs) at one point. As soon as I I don't want to spoil anything, but as soon as uh, things started, like, blowing up, I was like, okay, I need to take a step back. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's it's a loud movie, which is it is a very loud movie. It's it's the French pov of how of americans right so we're like really loud mm-hmm. to them i think <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> oh, so he yeah. made this movie really loud yeah you know it's um if i watched this movie in the 90s which i'm really glad i didn't because i didn't have to have preconceived notions about it or previous experience with it when i watched it i would have thought it was too over the top i th- would have thought it was too direct too too um unambiguous well I, and, I i thought that in the beginning of the movie i'm like okay we get it america is shitty you're bombarding me with it but once like it just gets more ridiculous and oh more over the top more over the top and it becomes so funny after a while and you're like oh i i see what he's doing here you know what i mean yeah but also living through this now like we live in the reality of mr freedom that's the reality we're in right now it doesn't it's it seems maybe it seems maybe restrained after a while like post trump you know 2022 post pandemic on the brink of nuclear annihilation maybe again the russians are the bad guys again just the same stupid crap drone oh being wars. bombarded with propaganda you know again mm-hmm. and um it pulls no punches when it talks about how racist our country is well oh, klein had made a documentary about muhammad ali or maybe he did right after this he did some documentary mm. films at the time um but yeah one thing though they go to the us embassy in paris and it looks like a Walmart. And it took me a while to realize, to think about what stores look like in department stores and supermarkets mm-hmm. when I was a kid, which is, you know, not too long after this movie was made. And like Walmart's didn't, stores didn't look like that back then, but they look like that now with like the oversized uh, containers of Tide and just gigantic rolls of paper towels and things like we we that's our reality now when you go into target or walmart or something but back then they that that was like an exaggeration that we have lived up to or down to now that's incredible yeah that that set piece is Mm. mind-blowing and it's something that like um you know artists are trying to strive for now like meow wolf and stuff like those interactive um art pieces try to look mm-hmm. like mr freedom's uh embassy set you know what i mean <laughs> yeah greg? greg greg what are your thoughts on this have you seen this movie well, before greg 
No, and and this is the rare like as a as a stoner film nerd person, I was so excited that this is this rare movie that I have not ever heard of. Don't even know what it's about. It was just totally brand new to me. So I prepared by literally smoking my face off. <laughs> and I was so fucking stoned when I started this movie that I was not prepared for uh, the the bombardment of imagery. A lot of really kind of triggering imagery that was used. A lot of probably problematic imagery that was used sort of in the the sort of style of, of the time, you know, that people, uh, you know, the young people that are listening to this podcast who might watch it, there's a lot of things that you will hate in this movie that are, because this movie is coming from the right point of view, but it's trafficking in a lot of the images and words and things that are, that are very problematic nowadays. Um, I think it is, it is one of those things that kind of started to trip me out um, as I was watching it. Because, of course, it is so relevant to today. Although I think the biggest change now is that Mr. Freedom would be pro-Russia now. You know, like that's really <laughs> the biggest difference is that he would be all over Putin and he'd be like, uh, uh, you know, that's that's that was the biggest difference for me. But I got this weird feeling um, because so much of the dialogue was very dense and loaded with 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 meaning and i feel like i would need to watch it a second time to really kind of get it but it, it the, the 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 delivery and the rhythm of the dialogue reminded me a lot of these comedy albums that i would sometimes listen to as a child by this group called the fire sign theater oh, yeah and and they they these 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 were different kind of comedy albums for back then they were they were almost like audio collages. They were like radio shows, but so dense and layered. And you would have to like listen to, um, you would have to listen over and over again. And as a kid, these albums were, were these albums were adored by the hippie generation, the boomer generation. But to me, I just didn't get them as a kid. Like I, I, I would get every once in a while, there'd be an obvious joke that I would love, but it was kind of like, I don't know. I felt I felt like that's what this that's what this kind of reminded me of, though, was like that kind of dense audio collage with just words just piling on top. I, I had to let the movie wash over me at a certain point and just enjoy the imagery, which is astounding for what couldn't have been a huge budget. You know, I mean, the 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 big Oompa Loompa uh, uh, blue meanie looking uh, characters with the uh the 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 no one has mentioned the inflatable uh um red yeah. chinaman character which is very racist and very astounding i mean it's yeah. just a, <laughs> the smoke it's, coming out of it there's amazing yeah. in, innovative use of inflatables in this movie people yeah. like out of this world i've never seen anything like it, it it's a Incredible. very french it's a very french aesthetic I mean yes. the the uh, lead in the movie is American, the director is American, but the aesthetics are very French. And when you look at like French fantasy and sci-fi comics, probably the most uh, the most famous is Mobius. But when you look at like old heavy metal magazines mm -hmm. and the, the other Smurfs. French artists, 
Droulier and all of them. Yeah. It has oh, yeah. that, you know, or, or the fifth element has a very French sci-fi look mm-hmm. to it. That movie that it has that French sci-fi comic. Look. Oh yeah. Bristle. He is, yeah. he is very, uh, um, over the top visually as well. Um, I, I hear I what mean, you say about the dialogue being so dense and like, yeah, I, it's if, dubbed. If you try also, to right, it's hard. If you try to follow the story, it's going to be difficult. But like you can tell what's going on if you just let it wash over you. You know, oh, totally. <laughs> it's it's obvious. But but that's what is so great about it is like everybody's kind of oddly too loud, you know, like and the lips don't match half the time. And it's it's. It's it's just it's just I don't know it's it, it's it's just a really rare treat for an old weirdo like me to f- have this new experience and I'm like I, I I'm very glad I never heard of this in the '90s I wouldn't have appreciated it as much as I do now these things are an increasingly rare treat thank you Bob for programming it <laughs> oh yeah Felina did you laugh at all um no. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, I was interested. I was like, I no, wonder how the, I wonder how these jokes are landing. Not, you know? I didn't, I didn't really laugh at all. But I like, well, I laughed kind of out of awkwardness, you know, out of. <laughs> I laughed like, like, oh my god, yikes! <laughs> that was the vibe more. You know um, what? What scene genuinely made me laugh is when the the maid tried to kill him, and she had to eat the oh, eggs. Oh yeah! And she had it this. Oh. Death, she had this death scene. I thought that, that maid was, was so, so funny. Good. She was so funny. What actually? What did make me laugh was the blood in this movie. Uh, the bright red uh, oh, blood. Yes. It was so amazing. I also, love that like, that bright red blood. Oh, it's so good. It's Blackula blood. Rosie calls it <laughs> hammer blood. <laughs> hammer blood it's hammer blood i also i have a uh, a game for ev- anybody who wants to watch this and if you are using a vape it will be easier um but you should smoke every time they say freedom <laughs> you'll be dead <laughs> you'll, you'll pass out but it'll be uh... fun it'll be a fun experience i thought i thought ever it... od you get OD from smoking weed. That would be the cause. But yeah, it was interesting because I was laughing so much during this movie. I thought it was very like mm-hmm. at first I was like, oh, too much. And then, like I said, once I let it wash over me, I thought it was so funny. I don't know. It it it, it really reminded me of like uh, Zucker Brothers or something. It was interesting. Well, um, this might be the, you know, one of those movies where, you know, I think there's so many, you know, because we're like a post pandemic podcast. A lot of the movies that we talk about on this show are movies that would be kind of better if you watch with a bunch of friends, you know, and kind of laugh and jeer at the, you know, silliness of the of the old movie. But this is a movie that's probably better to watch alone and let the laughs kind of don't be self-conscious. I bet, Polina, you probably didn't laugh as much because your partner is sitting right there and you don't want to laugh at this racist shit that's being popping up on the screen. I bet that had a little bit to do with it. No, 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 no. no. The second time I watched it with Rosie and and she was into it for like the first half hour, 35 minutes. Uh, 
And, you know, she's like, oh, this is like, this is where, you know, Peacemaker comes from. And yeah, this is, right. you know, this is like the boys. But then I think it got to a point where it was just too much, you know, around the time uh, Mr. Chinaman shows up. It wasn't like she was like disgusted with Mr. Chinaman, although that would be a an honorable reaction. Um, yeah. You know, Mr. Ch- the thing about Mr. Chinaman, too, is like, when is it like a spoof of racism that's using racist tropes as satire? And when is it just racist? And that's like, yes, we're straddling a line and the Frenchness of it, uh, you know, considering their history and the whole reason we were in Vietnam is because they were in Vietnam and their whole imperialist history in Southeast Asia, you know, they, they don't really have any excuses for that. So they're trafficking in, racist tropes as well oh, so. there there's for no sure. there's no excuse for that terrible portrayal of mr Ch- red chinaman but i'm sure there was a marvel character or a dc character that they're spoofing there you know what i mean oh um the iron man comics of the 60s like are most marvel comics stay out of foreign affairs and out of the cold war and they have shield and mm. all you know like you know shield and hydra and you know it's all these kind of fictitious fantasy sci-fi spy organizations but iron man is the one who's like he starts in vietnam he's always fighting titanium man and the crimson dynamo and all these russian said they don't even (laughs) they don't even the colorists didn't even like make asian people look remotely like asian people it's just this flat yellow color it's like really terrible like whenever like the mandarin shows up that was the main villain um and there's a version of that character in iron man 3 but it's it's different but yeah Yeah. it's it's yeah iron man is the most racist jingoistic of the you know more than captain america captain america is always kind of wrestling with the idea of america but iron man is like totally i mean he he is a war profiteer he isn't a munitions (laughs) yeah he is he's an arms dealer but isn't it that thing where you're with with a film like this you're you're kind of trying to use racist trope to shock your audience but your audience that you have is already a liberal audience you're already kind of preaching to the choir you're trying to shock people that are already on your side to an extent you know like like i can't believe that you know the straight middle america that needed to see this film ever actually saw it <laughs> you know like yeah like they're they're not the ones and, the, and you know it's that world you know that world is the same one that makes you know bill maher feel like he is able to use the n-word on tv because he is on the right side and is using it for the right reasons to try to shock the audience but the audience is already there so like yeah what the fuck if there's a ton of that in this movie, like, look how fucking crazy we could be and edgy. Hey, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it, I don't know. It works. It's 68, man. It's so early for that stuff. You know what I mean? Right. Um, I do like the portrayal, like what that they say about the French, like Americans are the Mr. Freedom is like the French are just 50 million sniveling little pussies. You know, because I mean? like, it's still true to this day. <laughs> you, you know, what's you know, what's you know what this movie does is it allows us to hate Mr. Freedom where even the boys like, well, you know, um, Homelander we're supposed to hate, but we're still supposed to like the other heroes and, you know, uh, Peacemaker, he's like, you know, we're supposed to like him. We're supposed to like John Cena and that we're supposed to care about them where this movie, it's just like, 
No, Mr. Freedom is fucked. He's, he's a stupid fu- baby the whole time. And he, he's you're just like, oh, this fucking moron. What the he, fuck? She even a, says, you're, she goes at one point, she goes, Daphne Selwig, Selwig, she goes, Delphine Selwig, she goes, you're a moron, right to his face. I'm like, yeah, it's, uh, that, that scene is amazing. <laughs> Bob, this movie is very refreshing in a time where we're just being bombarded with Marvel stuff all the time and mm-hmm. Disney Plus and all that stuff. This is the anti-Marvel mm-hmm. movie. However, one person asked Mr. Freedom how Batman is doing, so I think this is in the DC canon. <laughs> Oh, fuck. oh, yeah. Damn it. If I if I ever somehow get a job writing for DC Comics, I'm bringing I'm doing Mr. Freedom and getting fired after four issues of it. Greg, what we did you Freedom. melt your what we did you melt your face off with for this? I melted my face off with a hybrid called Cobalt Haze that um it was it was pretty great. I mean, it did make me feel paranoid which i think is part of the you know intent of the film so you know it definitely uh encouraged that that reaction uh but it also kept me firmly on the couch and i i just inhaled the entire movie along with a lung full of uh cobalt haze so i couldn't i couldn't recommend a a, a, a indica dominant hybrid more for for this film yeah, I also had a hybrid. Um, it was apple fritter. Uh, I Ooh. smoked out. Of, I smoked out of my bong. It was very, mm-hmm. very nice. Um, it, yeah, I also got pretty face melty. Uh, it's a very high <laughs> THC uh, strain, and it is. Well, let's see. It is a cross of sour apple and animal cookies. Great hybrid. And I was smoking throughout the movie as well. Um, so I think that's why I got so overwhelmed <laughs> with, <laughs> with it. I smoked a very American strain called Alaskan Thunderfuck, the legendary Alaskan <laughs> Thunderfuck. Uh, Alaskan, wow. Thunderfuck. <laughs> Alaskan Thunderfuck is a legendary sativa that originated in the Mantanuska Valley of Alaska. According to the legend, it was originally a Northern California sativa crossed with the Russian Ruderalis, but sometime in the late 70s crossed with Afghani genetics to make it hardier. It uh, produces an intense euphoric high, also described as a creeper effect, and makes you really hungry for freedom. It's a very, very <laughs> Cold War strain. Right. Very yeah. appropriate. Very Cold Thank War. You. Very, uh, very Russian and American sure. imperialism. Um, yeah. I actually have a weed wreck for this one, or maybe not a wreck, but I can tell you what I did is I had one of those Keef uh, cannabis colas. Nice. Mm. Uh, you know, 10 milligrams. I mixed it with um, Diplomatico rum, though. I put it on the ah. rum. <laughs> Whoa, that sounds tight, dude. You got yeah. It, it wasn't quite powerful enough. Usually a 10, you know, I'm a lightweight, even though I weigh 350 pounds, I'm a lightweight with weed and a 10 milligram gummy can sometimes just floor me. You could just put me out and I'm asleep and what good mm. am I? But uh, this was divide, you know, just drinking it over time. It's a weird way to, to, to ingest edible weed or weed yeah. through your stomach, through your digestive system is to be drinking it like you're drinking a cocktail, which is what I was doing. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. You, ha- you have to pound those drinks or they don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I started smoking on top of it after a while. Nice. I have to admit, I just, you didn't really get it right, but the intent was there, but yeah, like drinking it with the rum, 
next time if i do this again i'm going to drink it out of a cold can and i'm going to use it as a as a chaser to the booze i'm going to drink whiskey yes. or rum and then just you know use it as a chaser instead of doing the cocktails on ice thing that i tried to do yeah so we got a we got one of those wine ones and it's disgusting it is absolutely oh. foul <laughs> <laughs> this oh one, no this one almost just tasted like somebody soaked a bunch of shake in a jolt cola is what it tasted like to me <laughs> <laughs> not a coke yeah. not a pepsi a jolt uh-huh which i think i've had jolt colas where shake had just fallen into it many times <laughs> so. so it kind of brought me back to like hanging out with my friends who went to uc santa cruz kind of a thing but before energy drinks, this was like, no, we've got twice the caffeine and we're still using sugar and fuck all that other shit. It's time for the TikTok report with Felina Franklin. Woo, binging, bing, 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 bing. Okay. So on TikTok, the TikTok surprisingly has found Mr. Freedom. Um, really shockingly. The only things I could find though were this guy lip syncing to one of the uh, monologues that Mr. Freedom was <laughs> was saying. Uh, and there are zero comments and eight likes on that. Um, and the next, the, okay. But the other bigger thing I found when I looked up Mr. Freedom was this TikTok drama uh, about a Canadian man who calls himself Mr. Freedom and he believes in guns and God and does not believe in vaccines. And he has a small business as a roofer and he openly admits that he charges liberals 25% more than he does uh, his other customers. Uh, so, and he was really big during the face of the Freedom Convoy in Canada and started a mm. mini fan base of like really shitty Canadian conservatives. Um, and then a woman named Kara Massage, who was an attorney, uh, was very openly against the Freedom Convoy. And because of that, and also because she is black and a woman, uh, they started to publicly harass her. So uh, Mr. Freedom fans are shouting at her, uh, shouting obscenities at her. And a guy threw a soda at her and someone stole her scooter. It's just really awful. So if you are someone out there who is listening and uh, knows wow. about any of this, uh, yikes. I don't know. This this is just kind of, that's what I found. Crazy out there. So uh, there are there's a real Mr. Freedom. Take it he didn't get the irony. It's like the, the Santa picture. Cruz Joker. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, something tells me that Mr. Freedom name went over his head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can only hope that somehow somebody gives him a subscription to Criterion and he watches this <laughs> and is like really angry and upset about it. I, I feel like he's gonna watch it and really feel for the character. He it's oh, not yeah. a it's not satire for him. This is his real life. <laughs> This has been the TikTok report with Felina Franklin. Mr. Freedom is available on Criterion Channel. And if you like it, you can check out William Klein's earlier film, Who Are You, Polly Magoo? 
his ahead of its time mockumentary taking on the absurdities mm. of the fashion industry, which is also available on Criterion. Wow. That's one that I want to watch. Rat Fink and Boo Boo. Masked men dedicated to fight crime and preserve justice. Look, Boo Boo, young lady of distress. Won't somebody help me? Me first, Rat Fink. Go, Boo Boo. I'll park the rat sickle. Oh, take that, Mr. Crook. Why not fight someone your own size, fella? Ah! Help me! Won't somebody please help me? The rat fake will. Ape, drop that girl. You heard me, you big ape. Take that ape. Rat Fink and Boo Boo, the leaders of today, building the leaders of tomorrow. And I want all you young people to grow up to be good American citizens. Remember, your country needs you. Rat Fink, you're the greatest. Rat Fink and Boo Boo are coming. Batmania swept the nation with the arrival of the garish and tongue-in-cheek Batman TV series with Adam West on ABC in 1966. With Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder blowing up all over print media, zero-budget auteur Ray Dennis Steckler decided to ditch the gritty crime drama called The Depraved that he was already halfway through making and stick in a goofy crime-fighting duo in bargain basement costumes in one of the most jarring tonal shifts in cinema history. With L.A. locations, some already dated rock and roll numbers, and a guy in a gorilla suit for no reason, this is Rat Finka Boo Boo. Not Rat Fink and Boo Boo, because they screwed up the opening titles and couldn't afford to fix them. Now, now everybody, while we were talking about On the Town in our last episode, I got the sense that uh, at least Corey and Felina really want cinema of quality. So, so what do I do? I stick everyone with Mr. Freedom and Rat Fink of Boo Boo. Uh, Corey, uh, what's your take on this one? Okay, well, there's bad movies. Um, there's bad movies because they're, they're written badly, because they were edited badly, because the acting's bad, because the sound's bad, because the lighting's bad. There's a number of reasons why a movie could be bad. But this movie has all the reasons why a movie can be bad. <laughs> all of those things are bad in this movie. This movie shit is shit, man. It's like a toilet movie. Um, there's so much padding <laughs> in this movie. All right, let me get to the padding. <laughs> First of all, if you're searching for it on Tubi, everyone, the P is silent in Rat Fink, just so you know, or else you're going to get... It's it's not spelled P-H-I-N-K. It's spelled P-F-I-N-K. And it's also called... Oh, my God. That's why I couldn't find it. It's the the adventures of Rat Fink, a boo-boo, in the Tubi one, just just to let you know. Well, this movie opens up with some beautiful Hollywood, California shots, so I was really excited right away. Um, Uh I saw that the guy, the star was a, uh, a a rock star in this movie. He always carries a guitar around. So I'm like, all right, I love a movie that rocks, that takes place in L.A. Um, and it opens up with this cool shot. Well, it opens up with a murder, first of all. And then it goes into this cool shot of Hollywood and Vine, which I didn't know there was a Dupars on back then. So yeah. I want some pancakes because I was very yeah. stoked watching this movie. And that's really cool to see a Dupars on Hollywood and Vine. And then it starts like, the rock star star of this movie, he falls in love and and he's he's like running around town. He's on a merry-go-round singing this song, which it was a very Val Kilmer top secret energy 
<laughs> at the top of the screen. You know what I mean? Um, but listen, maybe you guys could agree with me on this. Why do people in love always run around so fast? I've never ran around fast with someone I'm in love with at a park. I'm like, I like to sit or like be in bed and relax, but I don't like to run really fast. And then they like they take it to the next level. They start playing sports together. Like, do people in love play sports together a lot? Love, love makes you crazy. <laughs> like then they also had they had they happen to have a basketball and a football with them that day that they were in love running around the park. Don't you? <laughs> I have one in my back seat. Um, but there's songs in this movie, and it's the song Rat Fink is pretty cool. It's a ripping song. Um, but this movie wastes so much time with its padding, like uh when there's a car chase, that car chase is gonna last forever. Um, and it's only 70 minutes long. <laughs> it's, it's the shortest movie and it's the longest movie. Um, there's this like one, there's this scene where a guy is like putting ice on his forehead because his head hurts and like they show him fidgeting with the ice or at least it has to be half the movie. <laughs> and then around the 40 minute mark of this movie, it's just like this straight crime drama with this lady. I mean, I mean, are we going to we have to do the spoilers or else we can't talk about the super. Yeah, go ahead. So, you know, and you know what? Just watch the movie, people. It's going to take no none of your time, even though it's going to seem forever. So this movie is just like a crime, sexy crime movie at the beginning. And then all of a sudden it turns into a way halfway in the more than halfway in the movie. It turns yeah. into like a a comedy superhero yeah. movie i don't know comedy is i'm like it's not I mean, the costumes are fucking crazy um there's uh, this cool motorcycle in it uh yeah. <laughs> they just linger on everything for so long in this movie that uh I, I it's hard to sit through i'm glad i watched it um it's still way better than a uh zach snyder dc movie so i'll take it over that <laughs> <one>. <laughs> and it's only a third as long uh, uh, okay, the, the uh, Carolyn Brandt, uh, um, the director Ray Dennis Steckler's wife and muse, she's kidnapped by these these this, these kind of sleazy guys who are not super villains in any way. They're just this these creeps who are obscene phone calling her for half the movie, and they kidnap her. And then our heroes just sit there and they play this kind of sad kind of, you know, in my room by the Beach Boys type song, <laughs> and it it takes them forever. But I just watched uh, Thor Love and Thunder and Thor mm. Love and Thunder, all these little kids, I guess they're Asgardian kids, but it's not quite explained. We're just supposed to have watched everything enough to understand what's going on and mm. watched all the previous film, Disney films and TV shows in the MCU universe. We're just supposed to have watched it and taken notes on it. But they're kids and I guess they're Asgardian kids, but they don't seem to be super powered. And they're kidnapped by uh, Christian Bale as this really scary, you know, wraith-like vampire zombie type guy. And then, like, the movie still drags on all this, like, kind of Abbott and Costello jokes with Hemsworth. You know, Hemsworth doing all this stupid, stupid, goofy stuff for a while. And I'm like, a whole, like, village worth of children were just, like... Kidnapped <laughs> by this total horror movie dude. So you're saying you're saying <laughs> Thor: Love and Thunder is very influenced by Rat Pink Boo Boo. Right? It is. It definitely because all these crimes the happen. Tradition. All these crimes happen, and they don't stop them in the first half. If you're fucking superheroes, no. why don't you? But I do admire the tonal shift. It is just does not give a shit about the audience or no anything. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, the, yeah, the costumes are so bad. 
I so it, get, it turns into this crazy uh, like slapstick shit all of a sudden. And the jokes aren't funny and it just lingers on forever. They do that Munsters thing where like people run really fast, like and there's like smoke coming from their feet and stuff. Uh -huh. um, but, uh, you know, the, the the there's some there's some fights. The, they get the girl in the end. There's a gorilla. The movie ends with a with a go go beach party, which I got to love. I love a beach party. And I do love that fucking gorilla in the end. And this is a good example of gorilla filmmaking. In, in er <laughs> oh, oh man! Uh, everybody, uh, uh, guess the budget of this movie. Um, five hundred dollars. <laughs> Getting there, uh, Corey. <laughs> budget of this movie. Okay, now they didn't pay for permits. They didn't pay for costume. Okay, no way. Maybe they paid a little bit for costumes. Uh, yeah, a thousand bucks. Getting close. Getting close. Uh, Felina. Okay. Uh, 10k. Okay, Felina is the closest. You overshot it by 2,000 bucks, according to Damn. Ray Dennis Steckler in V Vale's Incredibly Strange Films. This movie had an $8,000 budget. And remember, like, Night of the Living Dead still cost 100k. So, two years later, Romero in this like ultra low budget movie is still spending like you know six figures or close to six. Well, I feel like you that. don't see that eight thousand dollars on the screen still, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 500. All everybody's guesses were, we're pretty like accurate, <laughs> like it looks like it was shot on, on Super 8. Like, the, Steckler does yeah. not know how to film anything, everything's way too close, you can't see what's happening. The fights are orchestrated terribly. There are some cool punches in this movie, though. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm yeah. surprised Hanno Barbera didn't soothe their pants off for completely <laughs> stealing. I mean, he talks like they didn't even change the name of Boo Boo. He goes, "Hey, Boo Boo, let's go get those criminals." You know what yeah. I mean? Just like Yogi Bear. <laughs> it's exactly like Yogi Bear. This is uh, Ray Dennis Steckler's second appearance on the podcast, by the way, because he was the cinematographer for The World's Greatest Sinner, and it shows. Wow. That that's not cool that. to know. You know, this there's narration in this that starts off kind of like Ed Wood esque and mm -hmm. and like yeah, world's greatest sinner. It's it's just another one of those like these all I'm sure all these guys hung out together and smoked bad weed together. You know what I mean? That's like he you get back then. He was afraid of Tim Carey, and he he says in a jokey way that might not be true that he took the job because he was afraid Tim Carey would would beat him up, so he <laughs> he couldn't refuse Tim Carey. But uh, mm -hmm. Felina, what's what you know? Let's get you in here. Okay, uh, how did you feel about it? I kind of really <laughs> loved this movie. I I I don't listen. Hear me out. This movie, every single piece of it is awful but it's charming it's it's fun and it is like you can it's really fun to look at this movie and think wow this one this was someone's dream someone really <laughs> thought of this and was like this is a really good idea i'm gonna make this movie and they did it which is you know what i i respect and i think it is I think it's fun. I also want to ask all of you. Uh, I, I believe all of you identify as straight men. I need to know, why do straight men think monkeys and gorillas are the funniest thing ever? 
<laughs> they, I really, I, I think that they are the funniest thing ever, and I can't, I can't answer that question. I oh know. man, I, lo- you I know. love gorillas. I think they're so funny. I, the only genuine laugh I got at this movie is at the end where the guy kissed the gorilla and he's like, "I forgive you." I thought <laughs> <laughs> it, it must just yeah. be testosterone. I mean, it just something about it that chemical, that terrible chemical that courses through our veins and dictates everything we all the stupid shit we do um and terrible shit we do um you know this is making me think twice i've been wanting to do a gorilla episode for a while with like king Kong as the a picture and then like a guy in a gorilla suit and the guy in the gorilla suit is bob burns who is the guy in the Mm -hmm. gorilla suit in just about every movie from the 40s 50s probably 60s like what a gig are you are you kidding me there he was he had a gorilla suit and he he owned it so they're like oh i guess we call bob and he he i've read interviews with him where he talks about having the water like the uh, hot water bottle in the stomach to make the stomach move around and all the old school cardi gorilla gorilla guy tricks hilarious he's He's a a proto andy circus uh, you know, if there's a <laughs> yes, if there's a Three Stooges episode where a gorilla chases Shemp around, that's probably uh-huh. Bob Burns in there. Yeah, yeah rope. Uh, you know, whatever that movie, behold the white gorilla that Ed Wood kind of thing. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. That, the white gorilla. The white yeah, gorilla. That was a good one. There's this other one scripted by Ed Wood that's on Prime. I really want to talk do where it's like uh um, mm-hmm. it's like this woman falls in love with a guy in a gorilla suit a gorilla and it's like got past lives where she used to be a gorilla or something like we need to get that movie i should know it off the top of my head but whatever the hell that thing is i wanted to pair that with king kong but you know right yeah yeah i don't i don't know felina i'm sorry i wish i had a better answer on why us dumb men think gorillas. i don't know i just think it's so funny because growing up i mean my my best friend uh was a boy and he would always be like look at this funny video and it's just some monkey just <laughs> it's just some monkey doing something and i'm like this is nature um <laughs> um oh yeah well that that, that answers your question right there Belena, did you like the costumes <laughs> Yes, I did like the cost. I, in fact, I love the costumes. I think Ratfink and a Boo Boo's outfits are really good. Uh, Ratfink and a Boo Boo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how they got around the Cano Barbera lawsuit. I see a Boo Boo, not Boo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 so okay. I'd never seen this film before. I knew about it a lot uh, uh, because I was. I had seen the Ray Dennis Steckler episode of the BBC documentary series, Incredibly Strange Films, which is based off of, uh, you know, the, the, the book series hosted by, uh, I want to say Jonathan Price, but I don't think that's right. Um, but anyway, it was like, it was like, uh, I, so I knew about the tonal shift and I knew about how, how uh, crappy it was. And, you know, finally seeing it, it is indeed probably the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Um, I think that the question that kept popping up to me is like, who is this for? You know, like, who is this movie literally for? Because if you're in the mood for like a sleazy grindhouse crime rape movie, 
you are not going to be into the so the juvenile, uh, utterly utterly insipid humor that is in this. And if you're a kid that will like this insipid humor, how are you going to get into the grindhouse like uh, sleazy crime thing? It makes no sense. It, it it's 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 but it is one of those kind of seminal, incredibly strange films, you know that that is talked about and must have been shown. Um, although I never personally came across it, must have been shown in in midnight, you know, uh, uh, showings all over the country. Um, it's 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 a rare uh, the really bad movie that I I knew about and. Has, no one has talked about this fucking joke that that really defines the movie for me, where he says, "Remember, Boo Boo, we only have one weakness. What's that, Rat Fink? Mm, bullets." <laughs> you do such delivers, a good Rat Fink. Holy crap! He, you sound just he, like him. He the the way he he has that mm, bullets. At, at the, it's just so it's insipid and and terribly bad uh, choices delivered. bad choices oh my god it's incredible <laughs> it's so incredible and why when he becomes rafting does he becomes like a stupid person <laughs> you know like what? like already boo boo the gardener is a complete imbecile, right? Like a total idiot. Yeah. The but first thing they say get... about him is he's he sold 10 million records this year. Like, okay, he's somebody, <laughs> you know? Turns into but this then brain you've got dead the guy. dumb gardener who somehow becomes smart when he becomes boo-boo and has lights at the end of his weird antenna things. It <laughs> has to be homing. The only redeeming qual- quality to this, I think, is Carolyn Brandt herself, who... Yes. Somehow has a movie star presence. Yes. And she's in a lot of his films. You know, she's in the incredibly strange creatures who stopped living and became mixed up zombies. She's in a lot of, she's all over the incredibly strange film. Uh, a, a stunning statuesque woman. And her outfits are amazing with those gold lame pants. She's amazing. Great Walk- dancer. Walking to the Safeway or whatever, <laughs> walking all the way back in her high heels. Uh, yeah, she she manages to be great. But even when the movie, you know, goes upside down and and becomes really stupid, she she goes with it and like, pu- come on, punch him, Rat Fink. She must have really loved oh, Stickler because was... man, oh yeah, to go along with that bullshit. <laughs> You know, these these movies, like, who are they for? They're for the people who need need a B feature for drive-ins. So these movies are, right uh, in the Steckler's movies, like, even more than, like, Roger Corman's or AIP's movies are, like, content. It's, like, this idea not yeah. as cinema but as content. And one thing that jumped out at me reading the long interview, 20-page interview with him in Incredibly Strange Films is you know in the 60s they are made for drive-ins or these grindhouse theaters on 42nd street new york but then things like the thrill killers and these other movies of his which might not have even really gotten a theatrical release or not much of one when vhs happens and all of a sudden there's all these video stores these mom and pop video stores in the early Mm. 80s everywhere 
Like, and th- this happened with Ed Wood movies too. All of a sudden there's this reason to release these things just to put stuff on the shelves in those video stores. And there's right. an audience for them. And there's weirdos like me as a young teenager, a very young teenager that because of Fangoria magazine or these zines about weird movies that we all of a sudden want to see this crap. And, you know, yeah. you put a good enough box on it and maybe some poor parent rented rat think a boo-boo for their children, you know? Oh, it's got uh, a grill in it. It's got superheroes. Hey, little Timmy, hey, watch this. And like, oh kids, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that probably happened. It was probably put in the oh, children's sure. section. Like, you know, like at Lavinia <laughs> in San Francisco or Quentin Tarantino put it in the cult film section at that video store he worked at. But, you know, like Sheila and Pacifica probably just stuck it on the kitty shelf, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah yeah that's hilarious i never even thought of that i but, mean yeah it's just content filling shelves you know you know I, one thing i did get a vibe from is like i don't i don't know if, if you're aware of it bob but there is a, a sort of a monthly uh amateur film festival in la called channel 101 where a lot of the movies have kind of a deliberately stupid vibe to them you know deliberately homemade um and in in insipidness to them which is kind of part of the point of it i definitely felt like this is the first channel 101 f- film in a weird way because it had all those stupid things in it like the bongo sound when they're r- while they're winding up to run away you know like bongity bongity bong you know and like the those, flintstones like, like the like the slide whistle when they go down you know like it's so corny it's so insipid. It's the stupidest fucking thing ever. I love That's... that whole Abubu thing. Sorry, Bob. I love it's the okay. whole Abubu thing. It's it's like you think it's on purpose because it's like maybe like a go go a go go yeah. right or uh, you know, but Abubu. So you're like okay, but I love the fucking like that that those opening titles are animated, right? And and of course they can't change it. You know, it's it's crazy. Oh, and and one one final thing I want to shout out. I hope that all eight thousand dollars of the budget went to Len Price, who did I think an amazing job on the music of this film, which along with Carolyn Brandt is the only thing like that is actually of any quality. Uh, yeah, there's all. some really like, cool like Pink Panther jazz in this movie that's so good. Yeah. Yes, I love the Scooby Doo music. Yeah. <laughs> it's you know, good. Okay, uh, how much was it going to cost to fix the titles, folks? Uh, first, uh, Felina, <laughs> what's your what's your bid on how much it was going to cost to fix the titles? What was too much money? Oh God. Okay. <laughs> Sixty nine dollars. I don't know. Okay, uh, Corey. Uh- I know the story, Bob. So I'm. It's not fair. Oh, you're recusing yourself. Aww. Yeah, you're recusing yourself like our Supreme Court should. Yeah, and <laughs> and, I, and I hate to say this, but Steckler says it's not true. Well, uh. in in incredibly <laughs> strange films, he says fifty bucks. He says, I know, and then in a later, in the later interview, he said, "I named it on purpose because." my kid on the set kept saying a boo-boo, a boo-boo. And I thought it sounded good, but I, he said, I prefer, I'm, I've been going with the legend all these years. So on his deathbed, he confessed. Uh, are you saying Ray Dennis Stickler is an unreliable narrator? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I don't care. It's fucking cool. He was right. 
He was yeah, right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. There, there's uh, there's these there's these there's a certain breed of dudes. And we talked about it with the world's greatest center of guys that were making movies, directing, acting, writing porn novels. They were all doing it. Ed Wood was doing mm-hmm. it. Tim Carey was doing it. It's and now I know Steckler was doing it, too. Like, I mean, these guys were true hustlers. And I really respect that game. They were all doing the same shit. That's just how you that's how you were in show business back then. If you couldn't make it big. Yeah. I, I understand. Right. I understand it. I get it. And that's why we love it. Now, what weed? <laughs> what weed would you smoke to get in the mood for this, Greg? While we have you, I actually have the. Um, I have the, the 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 canister here. Oh, it was. Um, it was actually uh, Pina Dream, which is my wife's preferred uh, preferred brand. And, uh, and it was, it, you know, I don't really know what it is. I think it's a hybrid. Um, it's got a delicious flavor to it. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll take the edge off of the amateurish filmmaking. Uh, Ray Dennis Deckler. Uh, is, is Ray Dennis Deckler in this movie, Bob? He, he cash flag his alter ego. He's like, just to make it look like they paid more people. He was cash flag as an actor and Ray Dennis uh, Steckler. He is not in this movie. Not in the movie. Cash okay. flag is not in this movie. Um, okay. But yeah. It, it is confusing when he's not in something, but he's not here. So rest in peace, rest in peace. But Carolyn Bryant is still alive. So, wow. Yeah. I hope to meet her at a autograph show someday. Corey, what kind of weed all right so we were talking earlier about how the drinks like they're kind of a weird way to ingest uh thc because Mm -hmm. they're low thc and you know it doesn't hit you and you're just sipping on it if you're drinking coffee i i found the solution everybody so i was blitzed out of my mind during this that's probably why it seemed like it was a five-hour movie when it's only 70 minutes long and um uh, i found these things called alt and they're vials of you could get them in five oh, ten God. or twenty like twenty little vials of just straight thc and you pour them in your drinks so i like went doop 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 and i poured like four of them in oh uh, my god in a coke dream world coke zero dream world which is the new coke flavor they had space coke before but now they have dream flavored coke and so I, I it really hit me really hard so i really recommend these things uh they're called alt oh. Uh, they're called alt vials. They're flavorless. It's $25 for a five pack and um, they work really mm. well. Um, and they're, that's how you get around the drinks taking a long time to hit you, but they're fun to try. And um, maybe I don't recommend them for rat finka boo boo. Cause maybe you just kind of want to be blitzed blazed out of your mind on, and just like, maybe like smoke a really heavy doobie uh, that will smoke like really hot box the room because you're not missing anything visually. Anyway, this movie might look no. better through a cloud of smoke. Corey, what do dreams taste like? Like kind of <laughs> like peach vanilla. Mm, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Um, I had a double feature, so I was still smoking the same. Sorry, this is so boring, but I was still smoking apple fritter. I had my window open the whole time, and I was just doing bong rip after bong rip throughout the entire both oh movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I recommend getting absolutely fucked up. Helena uh, loved this movie. This is your movie of the year, it sounds this like. This was my favorite. <laughs> I loved this one. That, you know when my who was this movie made for? It was made for me. There you go. 
<laughs> oh man you know okay so i guess out of the three weed recommendations we have for this smoke apple fritter that's the one you should be smoking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. it's time once again for there's no tiktok report for this one okay the only thing i could find <laughs> i'm so sorry the only thing i could find on tiktok was a rat coming out of a woman's cleavage that is literally <laughs> that is it <laughs> Oh, a lot of Steckler fans amongst the TikTok Rat Finka boobies. Interesting. Oh, (laughs) I I wonder if Ray Dennis Steckler directed that before he departed this realm in 2009. I mean, you know, it sounds like something he would do. And just one more thing. One more thing is that there's a there's at the end when everything's all good and everyone's partying on the beach, they do that thing that old movies do where they do a montage of the whole movie to make you yeah. feel feel good about everything like yay we won but they put the murder that starts the movie <laughs> that Radfink didn't stop like during this song like why would you put that in the movie the lady died it's crazy or in the montage like in the celebratory montage anyway it's the like having party it's like dance having party. Rocky. It's like movies. a dance party, and then they sh- they flash back to the murder. Like, yeah, and then we're dancing about the murder. It's like, what the fuck yeah. is that? <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm so sorry. I also had another. I have one more oh. thing. Um, I really loved the those scary men. The one with the chain was so funny. <laughs> the guy who did the chain. Yeah. Oh my god! And I loved my favorite of all three was the uh, one who was gonna get you. He had his, <laughs> his hands up oh. like a scary monster. Uh, oh my god, he was awesome. <laughs> Rat Finkaboo Boo is currently streaming for free with ads on Tubi. That's Fink spelled P F I N K, and on Tubi it's also called. The Adventures of Rat Finkaboo Boo. It's got a different title. But also, if you're so inspired, our friends at Severn Films have just released the 10 disc Blu ray box set, The Incredibly Strange Films of Ray Dennis Steckler, which includes this movie along with Wild Guitar, The Thrill Killers, and the first monster movie musical, The Incredibly Strange Creatures Who Stopped Living and Became Mixed Up Zombies, along with several other grindhouse epics from this unique filmmaker go to severinfilms.com for more info on their ray dennis steckler box set so uh everybody like you know we we've kind of we've kind of skirted the quality issue this week but next week we're going to you know five star classics top-notch quality before i face a revolt which it sounds like i was like writing this when i thought there would be a revolt but it sounds like there wouldn't be a revolt everybody loved it Mr. Freedom, Felina loved Rap Boo Boo, you know. So, what? What am I? What am I so worried about? You know, schlock for everybody. But next week we go embarrassingly high quality for our technological disruption episode with Gene Kelly and Debbie Reynolds in Singing in the Rain and Charlie Chaplin getting ground up by the machine in modern times. That'll be all right here on Old Movies for. Young Stoner! Stoner.